all that God in Jesus gave a new command. He told us, and we begin to realize that, that we live in a world filled with hate. We live in a world where showing love toward people is really not common anymore. If you've been on Facebook any amount of time, it doesn't take long to see this section going at this section and back and forth or Twitter. Uh, all of these things, social media makes it really easy to hate people uh, because you don't really have to ever look at them. But we see people and we begin to look at and realize that that's not how God intended us to live. That is not how God intended for it to be. And we get into this pattern, it becomes so easy to just disagree. It becomes so easy to say, well, I disagree with you, so we can't be friends. But the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, with all lowliness and gentleness and with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. How many people know that there are times that you've just got to, to bear someone? Sometimes that you just have to, to, to put up with them. But this says to do that in love. This says that if we're going to do what Jesus has called us to do, then we have to be willing, be long-suffering, to be gentle, to bear each other in love. But what happens is, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 10, it says, Then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. And unfortunately, in, in our society, this is what happens. People become offended, and then they betray, betray each other, and then they end up hating each other. But Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 34, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, listen, you know all the laws, but I have a new command. And that command is, is that you love one another as I have loved you. So last week we looked at and evaluated the fact that we can't love one another as Christ has loved us unless we understand the love that Christ has for us and how much that he loves us. So last week we looked at the different ways that Christ loves us. And over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about loving the least. We're going to talk about loving our neighbor. We're going to talk about loving our enemies. Don't miss that one. And this morning, we're going to talk about loving the lost. Loving the lost. Jesus took a lot of criticism when he walked on this earth. He took a lot of criticism because he was constantly hanging around sinners. And they would look at him and they would question him. Why are you hanging out with them? Why are you letting her wash your feet? Why are you having dinner with this tax collector? Why are you doing these things? They tried to catch him up in traps. They, they tried to, to use the law to stop him. But Jesus said that he came to seek and save those that were lost. That's why he came. 
And unfortunately, what happens in our life, you know, when you are physically born, as you begin to get older, your world expands. When you go to college, your world explodes. I remember going to college, and I, I wasn't what you would call sheltered. But when I got to college and started living on my own, making my own decisions, man, that was uh, just a whole new, whole new world for me. My world began to expand. If I wanted to get in the car and drive four hours to a basketball game, I would get in the car and drive four hours to a basketball game. I didn't have to ask anybody. I, but my world began to expand. And that's what happens. That's the way it's supposed to happen. But when we are born again, many times our world begins to shrink. And we begin to close other people off. We begin to, to hide out. We become a, a homebody. But the Bible tells us that we're supposed to be the salt and the light of the earth. We're supposed to go into the world, make disciples. Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. And in this prayer, he didn't ask God to take his disciples out of the world. What he did do was, he said, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. In other words, he's saying, I'm not saying that they're going to have to live here. In order to fulfill what's supposed to happen, I'm not asking you to take them out. I used to have a pastor that said, he would always tell the story, and I don't know if he was telling the truth or not, but there was somebody in the church giving him problems. And he told me every day I would pray, God, save them and kill them. I never really did ask him if he was telling the truth. It wasn't Pastor Rick, okay? Just, um, this was about earlier. But a lot of times we, we think that way. We think, God, just, just take me out of here. Just take me home. And while that is our goal, Jesus said here, he said, don't take them out of the world. Just keep them safe. And we have a promise from God that, that there's nothing that the enemy can bring against us that can take us out. That if he's living in us, he's greater than anything that could come against us. But we have to live in this world and we have a mission. We have a goal. And let me tell you, you can love the lost without living like the lost. You can love the lost without living like the lost. But we must be willing to put ourselves in situations where lost people are. We must be willing to get into their world. We must be willing to, to get our hands a, a little dirty. That's what Jesus did. And you see, it's my desire in my life personally to see people come to the saving power of Christ. And if we could ever, as individuals, grasp that concept, if we could ever just realize that we have something, if we're following after Christ, we have something that those who aren't need. And to look at that, I want to look at a story found in the Old Testament. In 2 Kings chapter 7, this story talks about God's supernatural provision. It talks about God's ability to take 
care of people. People who are destined for death and to give them life. In this story, we find that Samaria is under siege. And basically what that means is, is that they had in, the army had encamped around the city. Nothing can come in, nothing can go out. So basically their idea was, was just to cut off all the food supply so that they would eventually just starve to death. So they're under siege. So we begin to look at this store. They couldn't get any food. And it made them start to do things that normal humans wouldn't do. It tells us that they turned to cannibalism. They started eating one another's children. That's how bad that it was. And when we read this story, we find four lepers at the gate. And they're standing there. And they're trying to make the decision. They said, if we stay in here, we're going to die. If we go out there, we're going to die. And they begin to talk amongst themselves. What should we do? And they made the decision. They said, you know what? It's guaranteed if we go in, we're going to die. But if, what if we just went out and, and they took us as prisoners? Maybe they, they won't kill us. They'll take us as prisoners and, and they'll feed us. And so they made the decision. They made the decision to, to go out. They said, we don't have anything to lose. If they kill us, they kill us. We're going to die anyway. But what they didn't know when they made that decision that earlier that night, God was already working in the situation. God was already preparing the situation. And the soldiers that were there heard something in the mountains. And, and they believed that they were chariots and an army coming to destroy them. So they left everything. They ran. They left all the food, all the supplies. They, just, they were so afraid. They were so frightened by what they thought they had heard that they left. So when the lepers head out and they get to the first tent, they begin to look around. It's like, Where's every, where is everybody? There's no one here. And so they go into the first tent and they, and they realize that all the stuff still here. Look at all this food. It's like Thanksgiving multiplied. And so they begin to eat and to take all this in for themselves. It says then they, they begin to take stuff and hide, them, hide it in caves. So here they are, picking out, hiding stuff in caves, taking all, the, all that they can, and then it hits them. It hits them. It says, you know what? This is wrong. Here, four of us are out here, and we are just eating till our hearts are content. We're storing stuff up. We're hiding it. We're taking care of ourselves. But they're in there starving. They're in there eating each other's children. Can you see where I'm going with this? We're in here eating. They're out there starving. They're out there dying. These four lepers realized that they had some good news. They had some good news that, hey, the enemy is gone. Hey, we have been provided for. And when they understood that, 
They said, we can't keep it silent. What would it look like? What would it look like if each of us made a decision and said, you know what? We have been provided for. God has saved us and rescued us from the death that we deserve. The death that was going to happen in our life until we found Him. What would it look like if each of us made the decision? We can't keep it quiet. We can't keep it silent. We have got to share the provision that God has made in our lives. The world is starving. There's three things we must be willing to do. And the reason I find this message and this series so appropriate for right now, for this time, is because as we move to this community, to this new location. We are going to be filled with people who need to come to the saving knowledge of Christ Jesus. And there's three things that we must be willing to do. First, we must care. We must care. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 9 says, Finally they said to each other, This is not right. This is a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. If we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on. We must care. They come to the realization there's people dying. It bothered them. And as Christians, we become guilty of just feasting all the time. We have Bible studies and and we read books and and we sit around and talk about the eschatology and, and, and all of this stuff. Learning is good. Learning is great. But do not substitute learning for caring. Because in the end, it doesn't matter if Adam had a belly button or not. It doesn't matter. When we stand before God, we're not going to be asked that question. If you're that concerned about it, look him up when you get there, but be sure you get there. And that's a funny illustration, but too many times we want to sit around and and, and talk about the meaning of this and the meaning of that and and what this meant and what he meant by that. And and, in all actuality, it doesn't matter. What matters? Love God, love people. See people come to and care that there are people who are lost that probably don't care if Adam had a belly button or not. They don't need to know that answer. They need to know that there's a God that loves them and a God that can rescue them from the hell that they deserve. But we've got to care. When you lose something of value, does it bother you? Does anybody, when you lose something of value, does it bother you? Yes. It just happened Friday night. My wife had given me a $50 check. She said, you need to deposit this. She gave it to me on Thursday. Friday night, I began thinking, you know, I didn't do that. Then I began looking for it. Had a hard time finding it. I looked everywhere. We were getting ready to go somewhere. I left her, and it just hit me as I was getting into the car. I left her and Reese sitting in the driveway. 
went back in. Ten minutes looking for this check. I couldn't even deposit it at this point. The banks are closed. But it was driving me crazy. Came home from where we went immediately. The whole time I was there thinking, what did I do with that check? Where is it? But the point is, is that I was concerned about something that I had lost. When that happens to me, I can't sleep. It's constantly on my mind. The whole evening, that's all I was thinking about. Where is that check? And part of me wanted to say, well, you've, you've lost more than $50 before. And the other part was saying, where is that check? Where is that check? Why? Because I cared about what I had lost. And my question to you and to myself is, when was the last time that I lost sleep over someone who was lost? When is the last time that it just completely filled my heart and filled my mind over someone who is lost. And I must be willing to to ask myself the question, do I really care about the lost? Do I really care? Does it bother me that there are people who have not come to the realization of the saving power of Christ? Does it bother me? And if we could ever get to the point as individuals and as a church where our number one mission is not to make more money, it's not to have a bigger house, it's not to have all the things, it's not any of that. Jesus said He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Do you really care? Do I really care? Secondly, we must be aware. We must be aware. How many people like door-to-door salesmen? I've got one of those ring doorbells. Somebody comes up on the porch, I can see them. If they ring the doorbell and it comes up on my phone, I don't even have to go to the door. If I'm in another part of the house, oh, it's somebody selling something. Both cars can be in the driveway. Dogs can be barking. They know we're there. I ain't answering it. I did it one time. Somebody trying to sell me a security system. I already had one. And he still talked to me for 30 minutes about why I needed his. I didn't do it, Jeff, just so you know. If you need security, direct TV, dish TV right there. Jeff will hook you up. But I began to realize a long time ago that door-to-door evangelism wasn't for me. As much as I like people, you would think I would love just going and knocking on somebody's door. And there's people who love to do that. But do you know that you do not have to be or do door-to-door evangelism? I couldn't do it. But early in my Christian life, I realized I didn't have to. Because I just needed to become aware of and realize the people who were crossing my path every day. I had to become aware that there were people every day that I was coming in contact. Sometimes it is so easy. It is so easy for us just to to live our life with blinders on. They put these things on horses, you know, to keep them so they can't see this way or this way. And sometimes we live our life that way. We're only focused on what we want to focus on. 
when there's people here and people there that we've become unaware of the fact of what they need. And God will put people in your path. God put, started putting people in my path. As I begin to pray, God, let me reach people. I've never been door-to-door evangelizing. But God allowed me to become aware of people around me that needed, people who were dealing with stuff. And the amazing part is, just as God was preparing for those lepers when they went out, just as God was preparing that situation, if you will become aware of the people around you, and you'll begin to to become aware of their situations and their circumstances, there's a good chance God's already, and the Holy Spirit is already preparing them for what they need and for you to come into their life. When they got there, the soldiers were gone. God had already set it up. God doesn't need us to go into all the world. God needs us to go into our world. Our world. The people that we come in contact with every day. I've told you before, I, 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 I went to the, even to the point of being very intentional in places I go eat. I'm guilty about going in at the same time when God puts someone on my heart. I'll go in on purpose just so that I can communicate with maybe that owner or that waitress or that checkout clerk or, or, or that waiter. And when we become, become aware and it becomes our number one priority is to seek and to save that which was lost, was to see people saved. It'll change our lives. We need people. We need to be sensitive to their situations. We need to, to listen. We need to listen to their questions and to their pains and to their struggles. We must be attentive to them. Jesus was. When Jesus, in John chapter 4, got to the woman at the well, she had questions. She had pains. She had struggles. But Jesus was aware of her situation. He began to ask her. He began to to tell her what she needed to hear. And her life was changed forever. So not only we must be aware, but thirdly, we have to dare to share. Sounds a little corny. But hopefully you'll remember it. Dare to share. Just recently I was talking with someone about our upcoming move. And it would be very easy. If you haven't been here, if you're a guest, let me just tell you that you're in a place this morning where we really love each other. We have a close-knit group. We do life together. And when I talk to other pastors around the state, they think I'm lying when I'm bragging on you guys. But it would be very easy for us to say, you know what? I I like my little church here. 160, 170 people. We get along. We don't have any problems. It would be very easy to just keep it to ourselves. It would be very easy to say, you know what, we're just going to occupy till Jesus comes right here. But then you begin to think about it. 
and you realize that's not what we're called to do. We cannot have that mentality. And if we're not careful, we will. And in your life, if you're not careful, you'll become so obsessed with just making sure that everything's good in your life that you never share the good news of Christ. We can't keep it to ourselves. We talk about how, how many people would say God has been good to you. Go ahead, look around you. God has been good to us. Why would we keep that to ourselves? Why would we know that we have the good news but refuse to share it? Why would we not talk about the goodness of God with those who need it? Because see, that once was us. We once were lost. We once needed the saving power of Christ in our life. What if we would have never heard? The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, in those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. and You did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without. You see, that was us. That was us. But then this happened. Chapter, verse, without God and without hope. Thank you. But in verse 13, it says this, But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to Him through the blood of Christ. That's where we were. It says we once were far from Him. But now we've been united through the blood of Christ. We have to be willing to find people who are separated from God. You ever been on a just determined that something was going to happen? And that you were going to do everything that you could do to achieve that goal? Whether it be selling enough to get a bonus or starving yourself to lose weight. But when you really made it in your heart and your mind that you were going to do it, you get a whole different mindset, don't you? It becomes everything, your entire focus. When I was trying to lose weight 10 years ago, and I made up my mind that's what I wanted to do, it's what I needed to do, I was almost unbearable to live with. My wife got down to 67 pounds. Couldn't have anything in the house. No sugar. No sweets. But I was that determined. What if? What if we become that determined? 
to see that coworker or that neighbor? What if we were willing to step out of our comfort zone and to share the good news? Not just with our mouth. And I have been guilty of saying, well, they'll just see the life that I live. And that's true. But there comes a point in time that you have to share it. You have to speak it. Not in a condemning way. Not in a get right or get left. Man, it went right over everybody's head. Apparently, you don't read church signs. Get right or get left. It'll hit you on the way home. But in Luke chapter 14, Jesus tells a story of a man who had prepared a feast. And he sends out all these invitations because he's prepared this feast. He has something that he feels like these people want and they need. And he sends his servants out. He sends them out to the streets, to the alleys of the town. He says, go find them. Go tell them that there's something going on that they need. There's a feast that's been prepared. Go get them. Why? Because he realized that he had something that those people were looking for that they needed he didn't want to just keep it to himself he didn't say well here's all this food I'll have leftovers for weeks just put it in the fridge he wanted to share it he wanted to give it away he wanted as many people as could to experience it And I know that this has been a a little bit of a different message. But I believe God is calling us. Calling us to, to not be silent anymore. To begin to live out the calling that God has in our life. And that's to share with those who need to hear. You may be here this morning and you say can't share what I don't have this is my opportunity to tell you that you need it if you do not have Christ living in your life if you're not following after him you need it, you need him he'll change your world with every head bowed and every eye closed ask you the simple question. If you're here this morning, you say, I've never truly, fully committed my life to Christ. My world's upside down. Seems like everywhere I turn, the enemy is coming against me. I need Christ in my life. If there's one, I couldn't do go any farther without giving you the opportunity to signify and let me know 
to be honest with yourself, I need Christ. Would there be one? If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm doing my best to follow Christ. But if I'm being honest, I'm really only concerned about myself. I know that may seem harsh and probably hard to admit. But if you really begin to examine, if I really begin to examine myself, I haven't lost sleep over someone who's needing Christ. I haven't become aware of the people around me who need Christ. I haven't been sharing the good news. Well, you may be here and say, I've been doing that, but I want to be, become even more effective and more aware and more determined. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's what we're called to do, church. It's the Great Commission. Share the good news. So as everyone stands, close in this way we're going to pray together as a church the first thing that we're going to pray is is that we become the willing vessels ourselves and that we will begin to care more about the lost to be more aware of the lost and to be willing to share the good news And then we're going to pray that as a church, as a church, that we never become satisfied, but that we're always striving. We're always reaching for those who need Christ until they've all have crossed. We talked about how that the job's not done. There's always one more that need Christ. Let's pray. Father, I come before you this morning. God, I thank you for saving me from the death that I deserve. God, I thank you that you have made that available, not to just me, but the blood of Christ washes away sin. God, I pray that as I live my day-to-day life, Father, that I will be aware of those in my path, those who need to hear the good news. And God, that I will not keep it to myself. God, I pray for everyone here. God, that as individuals, we can become so determined 
that our number one goal in life is to see people commit their life to you. God, we understand that that's our job. That's our mission. God, I pray that you will place a burning desire. God, for those who who may be at one point We're sharing the good news, but they've, they've been so, become so busy with life or so weighed down with life. God, that they've strayed away from their mission. God, I pray that you help us to realign our hearts and our minds and to care about what you care about. And that's the lost. God, as a church, I pray that as we continue to go forward. God, as we continue to to walk through the doors that you have opened, Father, that you will allow us as a church never to become satisfied, but God, to always keep reaching, always to keep sharing your good news, no matter the cost, no matter the sacrifice no matter how uncomfortable it may become or it may be. God, help us to go into that community to win the people in our world and share with them the good news. God, may we be sensitive to your Holy Spirit sensitive to the situations and the people around us. God, it's not about us, but it's all about you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. I hope that you have been challenged.